1: PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the World in Ten. Hello, I'm Stuart Willey with the biggest global stories from the Times of London. Today, journey through the state where woke goes to die. Technology comes to help tennis umpires and a new search for, well, Something underneath murky waters. Authorities in Iran have begun cracking down on activists this week, trying to stamp out dissent ahead of the anniversary of those huge protests that threatened the Islamic Republic. Night after night, we saw Iranians take to the streets, chanting slogans all over the country. There are videos of ordinary people running up to Muslim clerics and pushing off their headgear. Hidgi is important in this story because so many women protesting were, were chafing against a conservative dress code that makes them wear the hijab, an Islamic headscarf. The arrests this week included women's rights activists and even family members of people killed by security forces in those protests. Christina Lamb is the Sunday Times chief foreign correspondent. She's been following the story and told us the street protests petered out after a, a vicious suppression that saw hundreds killed and thousands detained.
0: So at the moment, although the the streets are quiet, the anger and resistance hasn't gone away. And basically what's happening now is a huge number of women and girls are refusing to wear hijabs, which is quite astonishing to see. Um, And people doing things like setting fire to regime billboards, coming out at night under cover of darkness on their rooftops and balconies and shouting slogans against the regime. But, you know, all of this carries enormous risks. These women are very brave. And what the regime has done is start what they call the chastity and hijab campaign, which is really a sort of mass surveillance um, movement where they've put CCTV cameras in so many places and uh, are using facial recognition technology. And so the women that are going to work, walking along the streets, driving without hijabs are being tracked and getting warning messages. And of course, we're coming up on the 16th of September to the anniversary of the death of Masa Amini, the young Kurdish girl whose death in custody of Iran's morality police triggered all of this. So there's a lot of expectation that 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 will act as a a call out for people to come back onto the streets um, for new protests. So we'll see.
1: We've talked a lot this week on The World in 10 about the death of Yevgeny Prigozhin in Russia. A development today, the committee investigating that plane crash say genetic analysis of the bodies confirms that Prigozhin is dead. A new poll for the Sunday Times finds only 8% of Russians believe President Putin was behind the death of the mercenary leader. Almost a third thought the crash had been staged. So what next for Putin, who rules through fear? Russia expert Mark Galliotti writes in The Times today.
0: In the short term, we're going to see everyone sticking very, very close to the party line. The question is, what we don't know, is what are the conversations that are going to be taking place you know, around the kitchen table, quietly out of sight? Are people really going to be thinking that, that Putin is definitely still the man for them? No-one, I think, is going to move against him yet. We've got to wait for things to get that much worse. But that scenario, the scenario of the elite turning against Putin because he's just become too dangerous for them, has become closer.
1: To Florida now, where three people have been killed in a racially motivated shooting. This happened in a predominantly black area of Jacksonville. The gunman, who was white, then killed himself. T.K. Waters is the sheriff of Jacksonville. He said one of the guns had a swastika on it, and the shooter had sent messages claiming responsibility. One to his parents, one to the media, and one to federal agents. Portions of these manifestos detailed the shooter's disgusting ideology of hate. Plainly put, this shooting was racially motivated, and he hated black people. The state's governor, Ron DeSantis, has called the gunman a scumbag and denounced his racist motivation. And while this killing is blamed on one of the oldest prejudices, Florida is a state divided in many other ways. Mr DeSantis has long been at the centre of America's so-called culture wars. A new documentary from the Times goes to the heart of this division. It's called Make America Florida, and my World intent Ten colleague, Amy Gill, has been watching I mean, tell me about the highlights.
2: Well, I think the best part about the documentary is just the range of views the Times team were able to capture. Now, I should say the documentary covers three topics. The ban on discussing sexuality in schools and schools having to vet their book collections. The banning of gender clinical interventions for under-18s and the restriction on abortions. And it's this last issue I wanted to play a clip from. The Times team, they go down to an abortion clinic, which has a group of protesters outside. And we hear from a volunteer from the clinic, as well as one of the protesters.
0: We have volunteers that come and escort patients in uh, to get them past the protesters that are here anytime the clinic is open. No
1: need to murder your child.
0: Having that, those things screamed at them it is frightening to them. It is upsetting to them. Sir, if that's your baby, God calls you to be a man and a father. They go together, sir.
2: We offer hope
1: and help. I. That, that's why I'm here, yeah. to offer help to moms. And most of them are hardcore determined to go and murder their child Right now, at this point. What I'm doing is I'm fishing for one that might be vacillating.
2: So it's a really well-rounded documentary and you really get to hear from people who are affected by the policies in Florida. Now to watch the documentary, you can take out a Times subscription or you can head to the Times YouTube page where you can subscribe and watch more content from the Times.
1: Now ask any football fan about VAR and you'll get back fury or frustration. With VAR or Video Assistant Referee, decisions can be reviewed during a game using camera equipment. But now it's coming to tennis. The US Open starts Monday and they'll use the technology if and when a player wants to challenge any contentious umpiring decisions. We asked the Times tennis correspondent Stuart Fraser how it'll work.
2: The player must decide whether to challenge or not. Uh, the umpire will then instruct Two video review of- officials uh, away from the court uh, that he needs footage of the incident. They will find the best camera angle, send that clip to the umpire who has a tablet on his chair. He will then watch that, as will the fans and the large screens inside the stadium. And then the umpire, over the course of a minute or so, will decide whether to either confirm or overturn his original decision. Uh, the decision is for the umpire only. The video officials don't get involved in that, they just are involved in producing the best available footage for the umpire. And also, the players have been instructed don't get involved in the process.
1: By the end of today, we might have solved one of the most enduring mysteries of our time, but probably not. The mystery is the Loch Ness Monster. Sightings of what some people think could be a swimming dinosaur in Scotland have been coming in for years. And today, the largest hunt for Nessie in 50 years is underway on the Big Lake. Hundreds of volunteers using drones, boats, a web stream, and infrared cameras in the hope of spotting her or him. And it might be the best chance in ages. Drought, blamed on climate change, means the water level is the lowest anyone can remember. One of those out on a boat is Charlotte Ivers from Times Radio. She's joined monster fans from all over the world. You can read what she found peering into the murky depths at thetimes.co.uk. All these monster hunters means big business for the tourism industry in the Scottish Highlands, and also, it's big entertainment business. Camera crews and documentary makers, they're all crowding around hoping to spot Nessie. But could it all be for nothing? One man who's fished around in Loch Ness looking for reptile DNA is geneticist Professor Neil Jemmel of the University of Otago in New Zealand. The, the light of Loch Ness, but also uh, from a scientific point of view, um, a, a slight frustration is that if you actually look at the evidence that has been accumulated... There have been multiple scientific expeditions that have gone to Loch Ness. They've used side-scanning sonar. They've used uh, various underwater camera systems. Um, we went to there and we used environmental DNA. You're not necessarily to look for a monster, but that would have been quite the quite the excitement if we'd had, had found something a little bit unusual. And every single one of these studies has come away with no definitive evidence. And so the best we can say at the moment is is there's no real clear evidence that there is a monster in there. But of course, there's also no clear evidence that there isn't because it's very hard to prove that something doesn't exist. And that's the World in 10 for today. Goodbye. See you tomorrow.